0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Planned, Prepped, and Productive Podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Spackman, registered dietitian and mom of three, and believer in peaceful, easy, but also homemade family meals. On this podcast, I'm helping moms master meal time and become the boss of their kitchen. As you do this, you'll find more peaceful meals through prep and planning. We will do this by focusing on four pillars for making mealtime manageable, doable, and if you give it a chance, maybe even fun. The four pillars are mindset and self care, planning and organization, meal planning, and meal prep. This is episode number 67 Mental Health in the Kitchen. This episode, I'm really excited about. I was able to collaborate with my little sister who is a young adult who was tired of anxiety running her life. So by training her brain and her thoughts, she found relief and she's eagerly sharing that experience with others on her platform, Mallory Jo Mindfulness. You can find her on Instagram at Mallory Jo Mindfulness or at Mallory jo Mallory is an avid Gilmore Girls fan. She loves singing along to any style of music and she eats pineapple on her pizza because it's amazing and she'll give no heed to her haters. Uh, Mallory lives with her husband in Utah Valley. So I'm really excited to welcome Mallory on the show today. She's got some really good insights, and we are diving into mental health in the kitchen in a couple of ways. First of all, we are diving into how our mental health can affect our experience in the kitchen and how our thoughts are potentially making our experience feeding our families worse. We are also diving into how we can use our time in the kitchen Uh, more mindfully in a way that can improve our mental health. So it's a really great episode. Let's go ahead and dive right in. All right, everyone. I would like to give a huge shout out and welcome to my baby sister, Mallory, who. Um, Instagrams and blogs over at Mallory Joe Mindfulness. She's sharing her experience with anxiety and making your mind a happier place to live. So welcome, Mallory. Thanks so much for being here. Hi, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, So I gave you a brief little intro there. But can you just go ahead and tell me a little bit? Obviously, I know who you are. Um, But can you (laughs) tell me a little bit about who you are and what exactly it is that you do, what your goal
1: is. Yeah, absolutely. So um, like you already said, my name is Mallory. Um, I run an Instagram and a blog that's called Mallory Joe Mindfulness. Um, A lot of people hear the word mindfulness and they think of like meditation and that kind of stuff, which is funny because that's actually not really what I promote. What I promote in regards to mindfulness is being aware of you and your thoughts, um, and how you can use them to create a happier life for yourself. So like Amanda said, I try and help specifically college age students, but really anyone who will listen to me. Um, I try and help them use their thoughts to create a happier life for themselves. I discovered this work through the life coach school and through Jody Moore. And so my ultimate goal is to get certified and become a life coach and really help people Um, to better their lives, specifically in overcoming anxiety, um, because that's the main thing that I've struggled with. And the main thing that this work has helped me with is combating um, anxiety and panic attacks. And so, yeah, that's a basic rundown.
0: Awesome. Very cool. So um, we kind of brainstormed together what exactly we wanted to talk about, kind of where our two... Niches, niches, I hate that word, or (laughs) passions kind of come together. So, we want to talk to you today about negative thoughts um, and how these are showing up um, at mealtime in the kitchen or just in general with our families. So, um, my first question for you, Mallory, is what do you think, excuse me, how do you think that negative thoughts? Um, show up in the kitchen or at mealtimes for couples or for young families?
1: Yeah. So I think that they show up in a lot of different ways, particularly for me, I don't usually feel like cooking or it sounds like a lot of work. So even in that sentence, just now I had some thoughts in there, like it's a lot of work and I don't want to. So those are kind of sneaky little negative thoughts that really disempower us from showing up positively or showing up in a good way, I guess, in the kitchen or in a way that's going to help us feel motivated. And so those kind of sneaky little negative thoughts can cause us to start us out on the wrong foot. And I think especially for young couples and young families where maybe we're not particularly experienced in the kitchen, it happens a lot more.
0: Yeah, I think that's, I think that's really good. And I've talked about this before. Um, and I, I like the idea that, so these thoughts kind of become beliefs, right? So if we believe that cooking is going to take a really long time, suddenly we're not going to be open to the solutions that are available to us to make cooking not take a lot t- long time to make it be a simple experience, or if we think, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. This isn't going to turn out. That all of this kind of becomes a self fulfilling prophecy, right?
1: Yes, it definitely does, because when we decide that cooking takes too long or that it's too difficult, that's what we've decided, and we don't see those solutions, like maybe the solutions that Amanda provides on her podcast and on her blog. If we've already decided that no cooking just sucks and I hate it it's really hard to find those solutions because we don't believe that they're out there. Yes,
0: absolutely. And I have definitely um, experienced that a lot. So I'm glad that you brought that up. So let's then talk about some of these things a little bit more specifically, and we'll talk about how um, they show up in the kitchen. So some things that you talk about a lot in your area of expertise are expectations. Um, so can you talk about how our expectations make meal planning, cooking and mealtime more stressful than it needs to be? We kind of just touched on that, but can you delve into that a little bit more?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I think our expectations of ourselves can be especially high around mealtime. Um, but I actually think what happens for young families and young couples are the expectations of other people even more frequently. So it particularly in cooking and mealtime is we have this expectation that if we slave over a meal, so to speak, that um, our husband should appreciate it, that our husband should come home and be like, oh my gosh, that was delicious. Thank you so much for Putting forth that effort. You are a goddess and I love you. Thank you. And usually, what happens is my husband will get home and he'll eat a bite and then kind of be like, mm, and then he'll add different spices and different things that he thinks would make it better. And then I'm really offended. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's so, like when anyone gets ketchup out for any of my meals, I'm like, no. Oh my gosh. This is not a ketchup
1: <laughs> meal. <laughs> yeah. So, our expectations of other people when we're cooking, um, when we have um, when we are in charge of the meal, um, can really control our emotions. Um, especially with children, like kids don't like anything or what they do like seems totally random and weird. And so dropping those expectations can be extremely helpful to help you feel more confident in the kitchen. I think.
0: Yes. No. And this is huge. This is really huge with dealing with picky eaters. This is huge with just creating a positive mealtime environment in general. Um, And this is something that's really funny because honestly, it's probably because of my background and because I have a lot of experience with feeding kids and had that experience before I even had my own kids. But whenever I have guests, they're always surprised at how little I intervene with my kids food and or they'll say like, oh, my son is just so picky. I don't know what to do to get him to eat. And I'm like, hmm,
1: I don't really know if my daughter's picky because
0: I don't really pay attention to what she eats. I mean, to the to the point that, yes, I provide my three meals a day, but I'm not I'm not policing my kids at the table. You know, like I just I'm enjoying my meal. Their meal is provided. And that's that's all that I feel like my responsibility is. And I think that parents don't realize that that's a choice that they can make that is in their wheelhouse to just choose. I mean, as long as their child is not losing weight and their child is being provided, you know, three square meals a day, that's, that's where the responsibility ends. So I do think that's really an interesting point that I do think a lot of people just let all of these things that are not in their control really, um, make their experience so much worse. Exactly. So thank you for that. I really like that. Um, and I agree that it's huge for, um, kiddos, especially because, you know, your spouse is usually going to at least like be polite through a meal, but a kid might just <laughs> scream that they hate it, and that's life. So oh, <laughs> that I pay. don't know. If, I don't know if
1: I'm ready for that.
0: Um, so yes, I think that um, dropping expectations potentially, or even just using expectations to our advantage, one thing that I've noticed with kids is that may their favorite meals are like pancakes and eggs. Yep. So, Take that like threshold you've set for like what a perfect meal looks like. And you can actually get that response you want by doing the thing that's going to take you five minutes and you'll get that praise that you're looking
1: for. right? (laughs) Exactly. I follow this amazing mom. I mean, all moms are amazing, but um, her name is Chelsea Siebold and I follow her on Instagram. And for her child's birthday, uh, she got to pick whatever she wanted for dinner and she wanted cinnamon toast. So the whole family <laughs> ate cinnamon toast and she was so happy. And it's like, yeah, that maybe that meal isn't particularly healthy or feeling, filling, but I they ate, they were fed. And like if you allow that to be enough, then it's enough. And it's totally awesome. And everybody's happy.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. So
1: yes, I think that was a really good introduction
0: to expectations. Um, another thing I want to talk about that. Um, has been covered a little bit in the past, um, but it's the idea of perfectionism. And honestly, I feel like as moms that like mom guilt and perfectionism can kind of be like, they're almost like synonyms. They really go hand in hand. And so this is really big for a lot of my listeners. I know that you are struggling with perfectionism. Um, So can you describe what, how you would define perfectionism and maybe some sneaky ways, again, I really liked how you kind of showed some specific ways that your expectations could be hurting, but maybe you can show some specific ways that perfectionism is sneaking in, especially for those of us who maybe think that we are not perfectionists or that we don't have a problem with this.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So the reason when I was talking about expectations that I that I focused on um, other people is because I knew we were going to talk about perfectionism and how I would define perfectionism Is expectations of yourself. And generally they're too high. Um, And it perfectionism shows up in a lot of ways. Um, It's interesting because some people think that perfectionists keep an extremely tidy house, um, that everything is perfect, everything has to be in line. And for some perfectionists, that is the case, but like Amanda said, there are some of you who are perfectionists and you don't even realize it because perfectionism can also show up where the house is a disaster. Um, Things aren't getting done because we feel that if we can't do everything, and if we can't do everything right, we might as well not do it at all. Um, So perfectionism, particularly in the kitchen, um, shows up in a way that's like, well, If I can't make a good and healthy meal, then maybe I just shouldn't cook. Maybe we should just go eat out. Or if I can't make a meal that everyone in my family likes, why even bother? So perfectionists are all or nothing thinkers. So they think if I can't do everything, I might as well do nothing at all. Or they do try and do everything, but it's never enough. They never feel accomplished in what they're doing. And so I've had to drop perfectionism in a lot of ways. I'm going to talk about this a little more later. So I won't talk about it too much, but perfectionism, particularly in the kitchen, I've had to drop because I had a hard time even feeding myself, eating anything. And so I had to decide that eating just something was better than nothing, even if it was a frozen pizza, or even if it was, um, ramen noodles or something like that. So I would ask yourself if you're a perfectionist or perhaps if you're thinking that maybe you've been a closet perfectionist this whole time is if you're telling yourself that there's a right way to do things or that you have to do everything or you might as well do nothing. I think those are a lot of the sneakier ways it shows up that don't seem like typical perfectionists.
0: Um thank you so much for that. I really really loved that. I love this idea that yeah, like sometimes even making a frozen pizza like you said is all that you can do and that's okay. Um and it, figuring out that it's all of these definitions you've made in your head or thinking that there's a right way to do something that's kind of making everything feel so big and scary and overwhelming. So thank you so much for that. Um, another thing that I really want to talk about, because it's such a hot topic around mental health, is self-care. And we see this all over social media and... I think that's for good reason and we can all be looking for better ways to take care of ourselves. Um, and by doing that, we can relieve a lot of stress in our lives, but what exactly does like real true self-care look like? Because I think we can both agree that it's not all about bubble baths, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, I wish I knew I saw this on Twitter, which Twitter is obviously, a just, where I get all of my truths. Just (coughs) kidding. Please don't take that seriously. But I really liked this particular post that talked about how nuanced self-care is. And she said, self-care is nuanced. Sometimes it looks like going on the run and sometimes it looks like not. So basically saying, if you had told yourself you're going to go on a run at 6 a.m., sometimes self-care looks like telling yourself, you know what, we're going to do this. And sometimes it looks like not doing it because you need to rest. And so a lot of times I have a really difficult time explaining self-care because if I talk about you need to let yourself rest, you need to let yourself recharge, someone's going to come back to me and say one of my followers is going to respond and say well but we can't go too easy on ourselves because then we'll never do anything, right? Then we'll never get anything done. And I'm like, well no, that's that's not true. Or if I say like, okay, you got to push yourself, you got to grind, Then someone else will say, well, we need to be kinder to ourselves. So that's why I say self-care is really nuanced and it really depends on what you need. I think self-care can look like a bubble bath if bubble baths are something you enjoy, but really... Self- care is about taking care of your own needs, and it's the least selfish thing that you can do to take care of your own needs because then we're no longer expecting other people to fulfill our needs. If I come home and I'm expecting husband to tell me I'm beautiful, that I'm worth it, that I'm really um, that I'm a really good wife or whatever it may be, then that's really exhausting for him and I'm putting all of my emotional expectations on him. So self-care looks like taking responsibility for your own needs, your own emotions, and finding ways to fulfill those, whether that's taking a bubble bath, going on a run, going on a walk, whether it's watching your favorite TV show, it can be really any of those things. And once you start doing those things, you'll find yourself a lot happier because you're no longer placing your emotional expectations on other people. So you're actually happy because people are really bad at taking care of us because they don't know what we need.
0: I love that. And I think you really hit the nail on the head there in talking about um, the nuance of it. And one thing that I was think is really cool, and we're, this kind of is a segue into the next question where we're going to talk about um, meal planning and meal prep as a form of self-care is that sometimes it's like you said, sometimes it's like Monday, I don't feel like doing it. I don't want to make my kitchen a mess. I don't want to cook all the things. But I know that I'm like, but like the rest of your week is going to be so much less stressful if you just like suck it up and do it. Right. Exactly. But then there's other times when it's like, I'm exhausted. The reason that I chose to meal prep and to meal plan was to take care of myself for time for days like today and on those days it's gonna be dig through the freezer see what I can find try and eat a vegetable you know (laughs) what I mean that's that's what I and that's what's so cool about it is that it really acts as both sides of this thing it's like the side that is making my life easier for later and then it allows me to be lazy on the days that I really need to be lazy. Um, And I really liked to, one thing that I like to think of when I think of self-care is to really just consider as a mom, you all know that I have three little ones, um, how I care for my children. Um, And when they're like screaming, when they're like losing their minds, like that's not the time that I'm going to be like, you know, but we really need to clean our room. <laughs> you know what I mean like that's the time that I'm going to pull them aside. I'm going to give them a hug. We're gonna take deep breaths together. We're gonna read a book. We're going to you know what I mean? We're gonna and I think we really need to start to tune in to those signals that our body is telling us when our body is having like a temper tantrum on the inside and we're just telling it like, just push through. You got this, and that's just that's just completely inappropriate. yet at the other time there are other times when my kids, you know, when my daughter's trying to learn how to read and she's like, but it's hard, but I don't know those letters. And it's like, okay, you do know them. Let's, you know what I mean? And I, I encourage her through it. So I think if you can kind of consider that relationship, especially since most of you are moms that you have with your children and try to apply that to yourself and be a good parent, dang it, be a good parent to yourself.
1: Exactly. That's actually a really good point. Something um, that I've learned through life coaching is that when you have children, I don't have any children yet, but, um, you need to remember that, that you are one of your children. So for example, Amanda has three kids. So now she, she needs to think of it like she has four and one of them is Amanda. And Amanda also needs to be taken care of. Amanda also needs to get her needs met. And so, Really thinking of it that way can be so helpful, especially when it comes to self-care, like Amanda already explained, because um, it's really clear to see like maybe what a child needs at the time. But if we can become aware of what we need, of what that of what we need and what we need at any given moment, that's when self-care becomes a thing. And like we already talked about, it's nuanced. So it's going to vary from day to day um some days it's going to mean going to the gym some days it's not some days it's going to be cooking a meal some days it's going to be going to mcdonald's or whatever it may be so yeah i just really like that point of thinking you're thinking of yourself as as the other child if you have two kids you now have three and one of them's you yes thank you for that
0: and you it, you almost like extra important because you are the one that has to take care of all the other ones too so <laughs> <laughs> exactly um so thank you for that and that, that clears things up for me too and is helpful as i struggle through you know this job the hardest job that there is if you ask me and figuring out how we can maintain our peace and happiness throughout all of that um and another thing sorry that i wanted to bring up um is that again going back to meal planning and meal prep and like i said that's where we're segueing next anyway um one thing that's really important when it comes to self-care is just time, because if you don't have the time to reflect on what you need, that's when like those signals just kind of keep <laughs> piling up and like screaming at you because you just don't have time to process them. And I love that when I have, when I have a good week and I have meal prepped and meal planned and everything, that's just one less thing that's on my plate, like In the evenings, as I'm putting together dinner, I have space and I have time, and I can pause to consider what it is that I need. What does Amanda need? And I think that that's a really crucial part of self care is taking time to plan, but not just for the sake of like being that like super mom planner, right? Because I think that gets back into expectations where you're like, this is how I should be. It's not about that at all. It's just taking the time to plan so that. Those decisions are already made and you can have the space you need to take care of you. So anyway, with that, um, for individuals who are struggling with feeding their families or even just feeding themselves, which we honestly have not addressed enough on this podcast, but I know the typical mom diet is like, you know, just like picking after your kids all day and maybe eating a solid meal by the time you actually sit down for the day. Um, So how do you think meal planning and meal prep can be a form of self-care? I've kind of shared my thoughts about that already, but do you have any specific strategies for meal planning that work for you or ways that you do think that it helps with self-care?
1: Yeah. So um, Amanda sent me these questions in advance, and this was the one I was most excited for because I have a lot of experience with this because um, as someone who struggles pretty severely with like anxiety and depression, like trying to provide for myself meal wise is is a really big struggle, and I think it's a big struggle for all all humans um but especially when I moved out of my house, I had to figure out foods at the store that I could eat and foods that I could make, and I didn't know how to make anything I didn't know and I had a lot of like negative thoughts that basically like held me back from learning how to make something for myself and so basically meal planning and, um, meal planning and meal prepping didn't really become a thing for me until, um, I got married and I started getting like more help with my mental health. I started to use it as a tool, um, to take care of myself. So my husband and I have a meal plan that's like consistent, like every week, which is basically like I cook on Mondays, he cooks on Wednesdays. No, sorry, I cook on Mondays. He cooks on Tuesdays. On Wednesdays, we have a frozen pizza. On Thursdays, we eat out. On Fridays, we cook together. And on Saturdays, we eat out. And so basically, having that plan in my head makes everything, everything seem much less overwhelming um, because I know I only have to cook one meal this week. So I know not everyone has that option, or at least they feel like they don't have that option, but stuff you can do is like front load your decision making. So if you're going to, if you're the one who's going to provide all the meals for the week, if you are meal prepping, like your vegetables or whatever you need at the very beginning of the week and deciding on what day you're going to eat those things, your week will go so much smoother and you'll feel a lot better because, um, you're not facing decision fatigue every day. If every day four o'clock rolls around and you're turning to your kids, you're turning to your husband and saying, what do you want for dinner? And everybody's like, Oh, I don't know. I don't know what I want. And then, you're exhausted just trying to make that decision. But as you front load your decisions at the beginning of the week, the chaos of the week kind of is calmer because you at least know, okay, I know what I'm going to make for dinner. Um, Or I know that my husband's in charge of dinner tonight or whatever it may be. And feel free, like ask ask for help when making those decisions. Ask your husband, what should we eat on this day? Ask your kids, what should we eat on this day? And even if they say pancakes, maybe you throw on pancakes. But basically... Wherever you can delegate is awesome, even if you're delegating to yourself just on a different day of the week. So that's kind of how it is for me. And I haven't really gotten into meal prepping like I want to, Um, but even just the meal planning portion, deciding what I'm going to eat has helped me so much to feel better every day because at least I know that. I know what I'm going to do that day for food and it helps me actually eat and it usually helps me eat a little healthier too. So
0: definitely. And I wanted, I, one thing I really love about your meal plan that you shared with us is that you've planned in takeout, you eat out and that's okay. And i I try to tell, I try to make that really clear in my messaging that this is not about like demonizing fast food or demonizing convenience foods. It's about finding that balance of, the whole nourishing food, your body needs, and maybe the simpler foods that your mind needs in order to keep you sane. And I think that you really brought up a good point that just making the decision in advance makes it so much easier. And it's also going to take away some of that feeling of like failure that we have so much as humans, but even as moms, for example, I've, I just know a lot of moms that's like, it's soccer night. You know you're going to be out till six, but you still don't you don't have a plan. <laughs> so then you're like, it's six, or maybe it's even later because you know, so and so wouldn't put their shoes on or whatever, you know, drama that is like ever present in mom's lives. And suddenly you're like, I'm I i can not make dinner. Like, there's no way that's gonna happen. Okay, let's get takeout. And then the takeout line is forever and everyone's screaming and hungry or um They mess up your order when you get home or, you know what I mean? And all of these things are just going to happen on top of each other. (laughs) Or that's the negative way I'm thinking about it. But (laughs) the point here is that by simply fitting your meal plan into the life you have, you will avoid so many of these problems. So when Tuesday soccer night and it's nuts, you say, great. Tuesday is our pizza night. We are having pizza every Tuesday night. This is how we're going to make that happen, and it's it doesn't have to be a big deal. Or if cooking is more important to you, then you know that that's your slow cooker night, and everything's ready before you leave out the door. Um, so it's really not about creating perfection; it's about creating a plan that works for the life that you have, not the life that you wish you have had.
1: <laughs> I like that you brought up um, soccer night because the reason Wednesday nights are frozen pizza night is because um, my husband has a class until 7.30 and I have a class until 8. And so neither of us are home to get anything super ready and we're super hungry once we do get home. And so the, the plan that we made was very intentional to our schedules and we change it up as our schedules change. And so just being aware of your life and what you can fit in and what you can't, just being realistic and making a plan will really it'll help you to eat, eat, obviously, but also just to feel better about yourself and your family. I think.
0: Yes. And I think one really important thing too to recognize is that I like that you brought up that you change it as your life changes and our lives are ever like flowing. They are constantly changing. Um, our kids are growing. We are Getting into different activities and different things. And one thing that was a big struggle for me when I first started having kids was that I just kind of held on to the life that I used to have. And I was trying so hard to fit all of these pieces. You know, like I used to be the mom, I used to be the wife that made like four course meals every day because <laughs> I loved cooking. It was, it was never like a hard thing for me because I enjoyed it. And I, I mean, I made mountains of dishes for my husband to do, which he hated, but I also worked 30 hours a week and my husband was still in school and I was done. I worked 30 hours a week. I got home and had nothing to do. So I made like, you know, and um, these extravagant meals. And then I started having kids and, and I still have that expectation of like this is what I do, this is who I am, rather than realizing that all that happened was that my situation switched a little bit. And so if you are a new mom, if you're a newlywed, if you're just in a period of transition, just recognize that if you're using more cheats, cheats, I don't like that word, but I'm using it anyway. If you're using more simple ways of eating for a while that's okay because it's going to change again that's just how life works it changes so to it just kind of like fit where you are now and recognize that you can be where you want to be again later anyway so i do think it's really important to just be okay with where you are but that doesn't mean you can't make small steps to be where you want to be either so thank you so much mallory for being here and for your advice, first of all, I just have a couple questions left. The first one is I want to ask if there's anything that we didn't cover that you feel like you really wanted to share and make sure you get in. Okay. So the last question is if my audience takes only one piece of advice from this episode on mental health
1: and the kitchen, what would that piece of advice be? I would say that you're totally fine. Exactly how you are. No matter what's happening and wherever you feel like you're falling short, you're totally fine. It's going to be fine. I think that's something that everybody needs to hear on occasion is that they're doing things right and everything's going to be totally okay. So that's the last thing I'll say. Yes. Thank
0: you for that. Okay. So... The very, very last thing is where can my audience go? If they want to hear more from you, do you have any products or services that you have available that you want to share and how can they get to them?
1: Yeah, so basically I'll just give one plug. Just follow me on Instagram, Mallory Joe Mindfulness because any products and services I do have, I promote on there and I do have things coming like this um, really cute self-care journal that helps you kind of explore yourself and helps you take a little bit better care of yourself. And especially as moms, that's something that's super crucial that we talked about in this episode. So that's something that you can get. But follow me on Instagram first, Mallory Joe Mindfulness, M A L L O R Y Joe, J O Mindfulness. So um, if you do that, you'll be able to hear me offer all of my wonderful wisdom and advice, and you can also find out what I'm offering at the time. So yeah. Awesome. Sounds good,
0: Mallory. I will go ahead and drop a link to her Instagram in the show notes as well as her website. So you can peruse both of those places. Um, I think any of you would get some great advice on kind of figuring out how to manage your thoughts by following her. But particularly if you're any of my younger audience members, make sure you give her a follow as that's who she's tailoring her content to. And um, I think she can help us all feel a little bit more peace and a little bit less anxiety, which I think we all want. So thanks again, Mallory, for being here. Yeah, of course. It was fun. All right. Another great big thank you to Mallory. I hope you guys have gotten some food for thought in this episode and that you're able to maybe consider some of the ways that your thoughts and expectations are making your experience feeding your family worse or less pleasant than it should be or could be, and that you've also found some ways that you can use your time that you are already spending in the kitchen to um, practice some self-care and... Um, improve your mental health in that way. Uh, next week, we're going to be talking about nutrition. Specifically, we're going to be talking about why most nutrition advice on the internet is so freaking confusing. And we're going to try and help you find peace with your nutrition choices, and the progress you're making. Um, This is going to be a little bit of a rant. Um, It's a little bit of a deviation from typical meal planning, but I feel like it fits in. I feel like it's kind of an elephant in the room that I don't talk about a lot, um, but that I know you guys are all thinking about. So I'm really excited to dig in. I think you'll find a lot of value in this episode. So, So be sure to tune in. Thank you so much for being here, friends. As always, if you like this podcast, please give it a review. Um, Reviews help other people find me so that I can help a wider audience, which is my ultimate goal. Send me topic ideas, follow me on Instagram, send me DMs, let me know your thoughts. Um, All of these things help me so that I can put out the very best possible content for you guys, which is my ultimate goal. So again, thank you for being here. Until next time, happy planning.